0: Back see me. Read- Hi. 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 Welcome back to Adolescence After Alderaan, I'm Caroline Guthrie, I'm Meg Fariello, and thank you for joining us on our continuing journey through the Star Wars expanded universe of our childhoods. It's yeah. Re-explore book by book, and this week we are wrapping up Tales from Jabba's Palace. Yeah. I'm (gasps) thrilled with this book. (laughs) This book was phenomenal. And so this book, if you didn't listen to the other Jabba episodes, these are a collection of short stories. We've done, like, handfuls of short stories in each episode. You don't necessarily need the previous ones to enjoy this one. Although, again, they're all tied together. Yeah. Do it. Le- read tales from, from Jabba's, Jabba's. palace. This is a good book. This is a book of good stories, and I'd say like the yes. scale is good to great. Like there are some that are like fine and they're good, no. and then there are some that are just stellar. I think this one. I'm I'm so glad that you were here to get the, get us into the tales because they have been just just delightful. Yeah. And so I'm char, I'm like nice. <laughs> Charmed by, by these tales. So, I guess just our usual thing, uh, tale by tale. We'll start off with the basics. Although, a lot of these tales are very light on plot. So, the first one was A Free court in the Palace, Tessex Tale by Dave Wolverton, who we previously talked about because he wrote Courtship of Princess Leia. I don't feel like you can really see courtship here. There's not a love story, so maybe that's. Yeah, that might be part of it. But but courtship is bonkers, and this story's reasonably for this collection of stories, at least, not that bonkers, no. right? Yeah, pretty, so. pretty reasonable. So yeah, Tessic is the double-faced guy that is pretty prominent. I think, like, he, I have a you definitely see him around. He's there. He's actually there when Luke goes into the uh, Rancor pit, which is not the case for a lot of these other characters who are kind of like out missing in action in that scene. Um, so you do see him. I have a very vivid mem- like vision of him, and I feel like family. there's like a, a very distinct reaction shot. Yeah, from yeah. him. Yeah. Um, and so he is uh from the same planet as the Mon Calamari race. Mm-hmm. He's as all of them are um out to kill Jabba. <laughs> universal, universal pastime. His thing is that he is Jabba's accountant. Yes, and he's been putting. He's been building up Jabba's legal businesses with the thought that when he kills Jabba, he's just going to take on, take over for the legitimate businesses and drop all the criminal empire stuff. Um, I don't know how he's planning to kill Jabba. Oh, oh, I do remember. Tessic has the plot with the local imperial guy that he says... I'll bring Jabba to the spice warehouse on this day, and then you guys bust in for an inspection, and the stormtroopers should just, like, fire and kill Jabba, and that'd be great. And it doesn't work out, because instead of going to the warehouse, Jabba goes on the sail barge to throw some guys in the sarlacc pit. You can like live on land for short amounts of time but like kind of needs to like rehydrate at some point. So he manages to get away from the sail. He knows that there's a bomb on the sail barge, right? Yeah, yeah he's he knows that there's a bomb. He knows that this is like totally bad news that like, you know, by hook or by crook job is going to die <laughs> today. Yeah, well he thinks that. He is the, he actually is one of the rare characters to recognize yes. the different Rebellion figures. We're like, that's Princess Leia! That's yeah. Solo! That's Luke Skywalker! He's like, the Rebellion is definitely gonna send some guys! Yeah, right, Leia. I forgot that was his story. Yeah, he's like, these are like, really high up, like, these are the heroes <laughs> of the Rebellion. Like, <laughs> we need to get away from these people, because they're gonna send someone about this! <laughs> like, um, but yeah, he thinks that the Rebel Alliance is coming, he knows there's a bomb on this if, like, he knows that it's done. Um, right, so and he manages to sort of plant a swoop bike, yes. right? Or speed bike? Yeah, bite. swoop racing. Um, <laughs> he goes swoop racing back. It, like when it blows up, he manages to get himself out. Yeah, he goes back to the palace, and I guess he briefly announces, "Like, hey, everybody, Java's dead." Yeah, he's the one who kind of like spreads the news. He's surprised, um, or maybe not surprised, that the Bomar monks have already like completely taken over. <laughs> yeah, he gets there, and he's like barely clinging to life he's super dehydrated yeah. he essentially collapses right and they immediately just like snatches right brain. which is apparently what like they're we trying to do to basically everybody which we'll talk about in the next tale too but like yeah. yeah and he's like not that upset about it because he's like my body is like useless on this planet <laughs> like i yeah <laughs> he's really Whatever. yeah he takes it it's not as scary for him as for bib No, and like It's interesting because Bib Fortuna's tale ended with the knowledge that the brain was going to go, and it was very much like a death. Right. Whereas in um, Tessick's tale, at the end, he is uh, like using the spider robot to climb to the top of the palace and watching the sunrise. And he makes, like, a force connection with Han, Luke, and Leia. yeah, So that they all, at the same moment, have the thought that, like, if you were ever to return to Tatooine, you would would find a free in the palace. Yeah, it's really really kind of a sweet tale, and there's a lot of, like, telepathy in these stories that we maybe need to talk about. Um, Because the next tale is tongue-tied Bubo's tale um, by Daryl F. Mallet. Um, and so Bubo, I had to look up who this <laughs> was. Yeah, Bubo is a, a character. He's like the little dog creature that you see briefly. I like googled a picture of him. I was like, oh okay, he's like very tiny, and he has like a little tail, and he's got like teeth, and he like is on the floor. <laughs> like, he's, yeah, he's just barely he's, there. He's like a he's little, all- very terrible eighties puppet. Like that is what thing yeah. that's like. They call him a frog dog. Yeah, he and that's ex- sort of a very good description of what he looks like. He's a frog dog. So he's like a, he's a frog dog, and Boobo's thing seems to be that like everybody thinks. He's dumb. And he is a creature, yeah. right? Like they don't think he's that sentient, he's a sentient. Yeah. And he's actually really smart. Out, he's Boo is a hundred percent sentient. Yeah. He is a totally sentient being. And very funny. Just, I found the story very funny. <laughs> he's got like a really sharp wit yeah. and he's just like pretending to be a dog because he just wants to do his thing. Yeah, he has a plan to like so he befriends one of the Bomar monks who seems to be like a Bomar monk rebel. Like he's yeah. a Bomar monk who's like really curious about the world and is not that interested in enlightenment. He's a, he's a brain. Uh, right. but he's just like not that into like No, he's like he's not into spiritual enlightenment. He's into like collecting knowledge. Right. He's so he's like, I'm a brain and I'm gonna get as much I'm knowledge. Acquire all yeah. the knowledge that there is, and then once I've acquired all the knowledge, Then I will uh, inhabit a body again and be super knowledgeable. So him and... Um, And he calls Bubo Little One, which I thought was really cute and funny. (laughs) Um, And so him and Bubo kind of make friends. um, And... And Boobo will like go and learn from him. Yeah, and yeah, Boobo's really interested in money. He asked him like Boobo like what's your what's your like grand plan? Like what is your life's goal? And he's like, I just wanna like make money. <laughs> and it's like really funny. Boobo's <laughs> very funny. Um Oh, I was just like he somehow he messes he's the one who made off with the detonator. So that yeah, which is also very him. funny. I mean, yeah. morbidly funny, but very, yeah. yeah, he's like I ate the detonator. <laughs> yeah, I'm the detonator. Yeah, I can't, that's why it didn't work. It's really and uh, but, I mean, not that much happens. No. He he just, like, bebops around a little bit, and then at the end, the Bomar monks take his brain. Yeah, and he's and like he's just, like, cool with it. He's like, I can't wait to spend eternity talking to my buddy, who, like, just <laughs> wants to learn about everything. Like, he seems to be having just a great time. <laughs> yeah, when they're taking his brain, he's, like, cracking jokes with his Bomar Yeah, because he, he, I think it's in his story where he, he's like, well, Bib Fortuna was, like, really taken aback by this whole thing but like I know what's going on like of course the Bomar Monks were going to come and take our brains <laughs> like yeah like duh that's, that's what, how this works yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah we get it we'll talk maybe talk about this when we break down but we get a lot more Bomar Monk mythology here at, the <laughs> here at the end yeah yeah so then the one I was waiting for this whole <laughs> is quite something wasn't this banana this is Out of the Closet The Assassin's Tale by Jennifer Roberts which like let me just put an asterisk by that name. Yeah. Like, that title for the story. Out of the closet. closet yeah. Assassin's Tale. So he, uh, I think maybe, I talked about this in the first episode we did about Jabba's Palace, but he is also known as Derek, Derek Jericho. And Jennifer Robinson wrote a short story about him, because he is in the Moss Cantina, you see him. He's kind of like a humanoid um, guy. And I think he's smoking a pipe when you see yeah. that. And I think he's like smoking, and maybe he's like like biting on a knife. Yeah, or something? Is that he right? doesn't really seem to stand out that much, which I think is. Oh, no, he's just got like kind of puffy cheeks. Yeah, we'll, we'll which talk, we can about, talk about here. Um, <laughs> but so he shows up initially in that set of tales, which was published before Javis Palace. I always thought Javis Palace was the first set of tales, but the Tales from Oz I see, which we will do starting like the end of the summer. Um, so he has shown up before, so we will get back to him again at some point. But this story scared the be- Jesus out of me as a kid. I don't think I understood it 100%, but I understood yeah. enough to know <laughs> that this is bad news. I definitely Totally see where it's creepy. Like, reading it as an adult, I actually found the Boba Fett tale kind of, like, more unnerving. Yeah. Yeah. I, that one stood out to me more. I didn't remember that one at all and and reading it now. But I feel like this is the one that of all the tales is the most just sort of, like, on its face, obviously a horror story. Yeah, it's a nightmare. It's, like, a nightmare monster story from a nightmare monster's perspective. It's very, like, Lovecraftian. Like, it's a very, like, he is a monster who is... Ancient and Yeah, he's over a thousand years old Yeah, and I will talk about the final lines of the story Because I think it's like a really good Final uh, sentence But he's, yeah, he's like very old He comes from this like very Ancient race, he's been living forever And the way in which he survives (laughs) Is that He eats Sentience soup Soup being Like brain juice Yeah Yeah so he in his cheeks, he has these like tentacle things. Yeah, like snake tongue tentacles. Yeah, like protrudions that come out and literally go up your nose. You have to, I guess, you have to have a nose go up your nose. Yeah, and eat your brain and suck out the brain. Soup. This is told from a first person perspective, and he is a very interesting guy. Yeah. So his whole thing is that. He is an assassin and so this race of alien that he is with the soup eating thing, yeah. they are a, they are almost mythic at this point. Yes. Like they are they keep it really they keep it really quiet. Yeah, close to, to the vest, yeah. But he is known to be an assassin. He's known to be an assassin you know? and he's often referred to as like a vampire. He gets called. Well, this is another thing to talk about with right. him. Because, like, who knows who and what he is. Right. Like, I have questions about this guy. Um, but, like, he's in the palace because he was hired by Jabba to assassinate Han Solo. And he was really excited because he really wants yeah, solo, to so. eat Han Solo's. Everyone soup. Everyone seems, like, stinks. sort of obsessed with Han in these stories <laughs> in, like, a very strange <laughs> way. Yeah, so he's gonna... He really wanted to eat Han's soup, and then Jabba gave it... Gave the bounty to Boba yeah. Fett in addition to hiring Jer- Jericho, right. and Jericho's real mad. And so he's planning to eat Jabba's soup now. Right. Um, right. And, he, and he wants to, like, build up this whole thing about it where he wants, like, there to be rumors that he's there, and then they know that he, that kind of creature is there, and so yeah, yeah he's, he's, like, yeah, he's, like, creating his own mythology as he has he sort of Right, and so along. he's the one who killed the kitchen boy, and he's the one who killed someone else. He killed, a, he yeah. killed a couple of different people um, in yeah. the So there have been just like dead bodies randomly turning up throughout the story, yeah. and it turns out that he it's was him. killing them. Yeah, and they're all sort of everyone in the palace seems to be like, or not, maybe not everybody, but there's talk throughout these stories of like a vampire or like there's a murderer that they don't know who it is. Um, I, I mean, I'll hold off on that question. We can talk about that when we break down the story. Um, so he's yeah, so he's like really out to get Han Solo's. He's really obsessed with talking about Sue. And so he almost kills the the fat dancer right. whose story we get at the end. Right, she but it's a fake out. Like he wants her to get away right, so, so that she can, she tell, can the tell the, story, the people yeah. about him. Yeah, he likes to create and like a and rumors then it about just him. Doesn't work out because Jabba goes on the sailboat. Yeah, march. and so he is stuck in the palace, and he he's pissed off about the Bomar monks because they're just brains. So <laughs> yeah, <that's laughs> it's not gonna work for, for him. him. So um, the last line of the story or the last few lines, it says, I can wait, I've always waited when necessary, it is a gift, a power, I am a thousand and ten years old, and I can wait forever. Which is like so creepy and so scary. He's real, so he's just sort of like there in the shadows. Yeah, he's like, of uh, yeah. Palace. I mean, he seems like sort of like a an inept vampire. <laughs> like, he's just sort of like trying to create his own kind really of really inept and really like into his own hype in a way that maybe is unearned. Yes. Like I think right. that's something we need to talk no, about. No, like, yeah. I think if I was reading this as a kid, I wouldn't have noticed the ways in which he's, he is He's not terrible at his, his job. Yeah. As good as he thinks <laughs> yeah. He is. yeah. And so like there was part of this that was like a little bit humorous that like I never picked up on yeah. as a kid. Also he somehow knew about like Yoda and Obi Wan Yeah, he definitely has this like ancient like Dulu. And, like, I don't know if that's also, like, part of him, like, putting on his own mythology, because he talks about, he's called an Anzat? Anzati? Yeah. Um, which I, I don't know has ever come up in the Star Wars universe before, but it, but as he talks about his, his race of people as, like, this sort of ancient... But again, like the way it's told from the first person, like I don't know if that's just him, <laughs> but he does seem to have powers, or he does seem to know. He's been around long enough to sort of know characters that he shouldn't. Yeah, he know. knows some stuff, and but the, other people do too. In these yeah, stories, yeah, I think that in these last in this last batch of stories, there's there there's more knowledge about right what's going the main characters on, yeah. and what's going on outside of Java's palace. Yeah. So the next might have actually been my favorite. This might have been my favorite too. And <laughs> i like I oh! I had no recollection of this story whatsoever. This story is so good. It's uh Shara and the Sarlacc, the skiff Guard's yeah. Tale, which is just basically this guy driving Boba Fett from the palace <laughs> to the It's Like large. a chauffeur. It's just like, yeah, or like a taxi driver. Yeah, right. It's, just it's like yeah, like a taxi driver telling you really story. Yeah. Like chatty Uber driver yeah. or whatever. <laughs> Um, and he's driving Boba Fett, Boba Fett doesn't have any dialogue, but the guy, you can hear, the guy, like, responds right, 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 to Boba yeah. Fett. Um, and he says, you know, like, Oh yeah, like I'm from Tatooine, like I'm taking you out to the Starlight Pit now. Right. It's really something. Right. Yeah. And he says, um, the only person who has ever escaped the Great Pit of Carcoon alive is my sister. Yeah. And her name's Shara, but like that's such a long story, you wouldn't want to hear it. Oh, you would want to hear yeah. it? Okay. And so then he tells Boba Fett about his sister. Yeah, so it's not at all a story about the gift guard. It's about no. his sister, yeah. Yeah, which this is, I guess, maybe our only story that has like a Tatooine native. Yeah, so he's from Moss Isley, um, and him and his family grew up like out, right outside the Dune Sea, like very close to where Luke, uh, presumably the this, Skywalkers, this were. Um, and he uh, tells a story about his sister who was working. She's like a very good girl. He says that, like you know, she's an innocent. She's very sweet. She's very. She's like fifteen, right, or something. Yeah. Um, and she was taking part in like the Moss Eisley Follies. Yes, right. The, yeah, she's basically like a local like a showgirl hint. kind, you know, yeah. of dancer. Um, but not like a sexual. No, vibe. no, just like you know, like um, yeah, like she was wearing the well, yeah, not like Zigfield Follies, like some you. Yeah. Who yeah. Who I'm getting way, <laughs> way <laughs> too specific. in my thoughts. She's, like, in vaudeville. Vaudeville, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, dancing, and there was, like, co- comedians, and she would dress up as a droid? Yeah, she was doing yeah. sort of droid routine. Yeah, and apparently that's, like, a, the way he said it is, like, a thing, like, a droid routine. Yeah, but the way he said it also is, like, it's not a thing to be necessarily be proud yeah, yeah. of. It's, like, politically incorrect. So right. she was basically doing, like, a minstrel show. Yeah. yeah. But about droids. <laughs> she, she was wearing droid face. Yeah, yeah, she was um, just, like, in a droid suit, basically. Um, yeah. And... She is leaving work one night and a bunch of stormtroopers. Yeah, she attracts the attention of like three stormtroopers right. who have just been stationed there. And they actually bribe the owner of the canteen to let her let them wait into her dressing room. So when she goes to the dressing room, they're there waiting for her and she runs. Yeah. And they chase her. They chase her home. Yeah, they chase her all the way home. Their older brother tries to stop... He just says, my older brother Kama tries to stop them. I no longer have a brother Kama. Yeah. So um, they killed her, her they brother. Killed the brother. Um. And so she grabs a speeder bike or some kind of transport and books it into the Dune Sea, which is very dangerous as we've learned yeah. from A New Hope way back when. The Dune Sea is not a place where we want to be lost. She zooms into the Dune Sea and finds they're herself... Chasing her right, they're chasing her chasing own thing. Um and she winds up at the Great Pit of Carcoon. By right, the and they crash pit. into yeah. they crash into her to try to make her stop because so they don't know anything about this area. Yeah. And they all get launched into the pit of carcoon. And the tentacles of the Starlight pit get woken up and she stays perfectly still. One guy tries to kind of like scramble out, he gets sucked down. Right. Another guy is like unconscious, he gets sucked down. And then there's just the third guy. Yeah, and they're kinda like on the opposite sides of the pit, kinda like pit. staring each other down. <laughs> yeah. And when the tentacle yeah. like, reaches for her, I guess, that guy um attacks it. Right. He kinda like yeah, feels bad and does not want to see her get actually get eaten by the sorrow. Yeah, also, yeah or something, or cuts it with a vibro blade. There's a lot of vibroblades. Yeah, yeah. He somehow story. distracts it and it ends up um Taking it him pulls down, him apart, right? And it takes him down, and, then, and it, then it 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 grabs her, but then spits her it, back out. There's just like not a satisfactory answer as to why. Yeah. So the the skip guard says, like, you know, we have three kind of theories. Me and my sister. One is that, um, you know, he just was full and he didn't need to eat anymore. But he's like, that doesn't make sense because I've seen him eat like way more than that. The second right. is that maybe he just didn't like the taste of metal because she was wearing her, like, metal droid suit. Right. Um, and then the third one, which he seems to think is maybe the most likely, is that, you know, we seem to think that the Sarlacc is, like, a big dumb monster that has no sentience and is just a creature that eats. But, like, how do we know that he's not smart? And how do we know that he didn't realize that she was, like, a nice person and didn't deserve to get eaten? Yeah basically. So, like, maybe it just, maybe it threw her out because it understood right, the, what had happened, or what was happening Right, that her. she was being attacked, and, um, and so, yeah, that's the... Yeah, and he says, my my parents say that they have never heard of the like eating anyone who had not done something to deserve it. And it's really great foreshadowing, because the next yep. tale is a barb like that, the tale of Obavet. And he has done something to deserve yeah. it. Yeah, by the <laughs> maybe story a, of a lot, lot of things. <laughs> <laughs> um, this one was great. Like I, I was, I was sort of going into this with the anticipation of of the feeling that we got after we read the Mara Jade tale, which was kind of like, meh, like that's yeah. probably one of my least favorite tales. Um, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't horrible, but like just wasn't anything like new. And I Friends. love <laughs> this tale. This tale is by far the best Boba. Fett the best Boba have ever seen. seen. I've never been interested in Boba Fett yeah. before. I could give a crap about him in the movies. I thought he was super boring in all the st- in all the yeah. books so far. This Boba Fett, this is my Boba Fett. <laughs> I I would really invest in this Boba Fett. I would read whole novels yeah, about, about this, this Boba Fett. Fett. And I don't know from this, his perspective. He's so interesting. Yeah, I forget if this author wrote other J.D. Montgomery. Really? Well, cuz it says J.D. Montgomery does not exist. Not really. It must be somebody's pseudonym, and now I want to know whose pseudonym it is. It's uh Daniel Keys Moran. Oh, yes. that's weird. He's a computer programmer and science fiction writer. Oh, well, good job. <laughs> and his Star Wars—he's just—he he wrote three Star Wars short stories. He wrote—he's got a short story in each one. Oh, he's got—he's got one in the Eisley Cantina. One in here and one in Tales from the Bounty Hunter. Oh, that's interesting. I, I was looking at Tales from the Bounty Hunter. And there's only five tales in that one, so good on him. Oh, 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 interesting. The quote from him here is, Editorial changes that weren't acceptable to me were made to a barb like that, uh, which is why the J.D. Montgomery uh, pseudonym. But on balance, it is perhaps not a bad story. And I won't disown it if people understand that the final product is only perhaps 80% mine. So that's interesting. That's super interesting. Hmm. I wonder what changes. I don't know, were made. but that. I wonder if it was things that were added to clarify what was going oh, on. Oh, maybe. Yeah, that would make. That sense. That would not surprise yeah. me. Yeah. Um, yeah, because part of it was a little. It is very, very fluid big. and mind bending. Yeah, which like you, you don't associate at all with Boba Fett as a character. Or, no, but maybe sense. that's why it works. But he also did a Boba Fett story In tales of the bounty hunter, right? Which so came really after really that, I think, or after this, I think. It did, yeah. So it'll be really interesting to see him do, yeah. Boba do Bo- Fett well, I again. love, I love your Boba Fett. Yep, all whatever <laughs> you did, I, <laughs> I, mean, I, I, I believe Boba in um, this guy. So, so yeah, so this so is basically following Boba Fett. He, they he talks a little bit about um, his sort of travels to Tatooine. Right. He he. Captures, ha- so he's like very excited because he got one bounty from Lord Vader and now he's gonna get another bounty from Jabba. He's like, he's like, Jabba is gonna freak. This like carbonite thing is totally his jam. It is better than bringing him alive or dead. Like, I'm gonna get extra money. Yeah, so we get that, we get this kind of stuff in flashbacks. Yeah, so this and, like, is all story. in no particular order, right? Um, yeah, the story is that like he regains consciousness right, in the Sarlacc, in the Sarlacc okay, pit. Yeah. Where he's basically immobilized. He's like hanging from, hanging attached to like a wall. Yeah, he can't move. He can't move. Anything. There's a really creepy guy down there. <laughs> yeah. Named, it, oh my god, I forgot his name. I don't know anybody's name. The it be, it becomes confusing. It becomes confusing. i uh, I feel like mo- a lot of these stories in this last couple are very like my they're doing. They're doing weird things with like narration and... Yeah, they're doing a lot of interesting things with, like, perspective. Right, and it's time. not a bad thing. It just makes it hard to talk about. <laughs> yeah, it's hard to pin down, but essentially... And I guess this all sort of kind of comes into focus as you go. Yes. But essentially what happens, what it turns out is that there's the Sarlacc, which is basically just the mindless eating machine right. kind of situation. Nom, nom. But one of the first beings the Sarlacc ate was a telepathic child, yeah, um, thousands of years ago. ago mm-hmm. But because, but like the the telepathic residue of that child, right, like lingers. inhabits within the Sarlacc yes. and has formed some kind of symbiotic bond with the Sarlacc. Right. So he doesn't totally control. And the Sarlacc is gendered female, in, the right, in this story, yeah. telepath is gendered male. End the story. So, he doesn't totally control her, but he has a lot of influence on her. Yeah, they're sort of, like, buddies. I mean, it's sort of, like, a... I'm trying to think of, like, a good analogy of it. But, yeah, he's... The the child has, like, survived down there for a while and then bought his body. So, how the star, like, eats is basically, like, takes bits and pieces of your body and sort of slowly, yeah. like, digests it. Um and, and your skin is always burning because there's just like this mild digestive acid. Yeah, in the it's air. so gross. Um, so like he'll just like take like a leg, <laughs> like that's how. Yeah. you sort of go. Um, so I think maybe it's a myth that it would take. And someone mentions this in one of the stories, like a myth that it would take a thousand years for the sarlacc to digest. Like, right? Like that's not maybe not that's not re- correct. realistic. Uh, I think at some point, and so like this and being part of the symbiosis, it it's not a nice telepathic ghost consciousness no. child, whatever, that's inhabiting the Starlax. It's a creepy ghost child. <laughs> it's a it's a creepy ghost child. And so it is sort of uh, getting a thrill yeah. by forcing the Starlax victims that it's interested in, particularly Boba Fett, to relive parts of their life. So that's right. why we're getting all these like flashbacks. Yeah. And including to, and so we also and we also get these sort of like random flashbacks to other people who have been eaten by by the sarlacc. Sarlacc. Yeah, so there was like an ancient Jedi who got eaten at one point. Yeah, she was eaten by the sarlacc. Yeah, and there was like a Krellian gambler who was was a sad story. (laughs) Eaten by the sarlacc, and Boba Fett ultimately does escape the sarlacc pit. He manages to activate his jetpack which hurts the sarlacc right. enough that he's able to get off the wall and then he like launches all these grenades Yeah, it's into not just cool air. looking it does a thing <laughs> yeah and so then in he like his Armors come off, and his clothes are yeah. He's like naked, and torn and, off yeah. by sand. He's like naked and suffocating in his helmet. Yeah, and yeah, that was of a of really sin. funny image. He like gets out of the sarc pit, and he's just like naked with just the helmet on. Yeah, <laughs> it's like we're not gonna try to imagine Boba Fett's face. No, like the helmet yeah. is still, still on. on. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so he manages to get out, and that's how he gets out of the sarc oh, pit. Yeah, and sort of his vengeance on that spirit that was tormenting mm-hmm. him is that he doesn't destroy the right. Sarlacc. Right. But like he'll come back and hover over it and kind of like talk taunt to it. Me, yeah. Talk to it. But he like leaves it there because he knows like what a torment its existence is. Yeah. And how long like just it's gonna go on forever. Basically. Yeah. Yeah. So. Oh and the Barv. The Barve 'cause that that was really confusing. <laughs> so the Barve is like a stor- like a sort of fable that the the, for a joke? A joke, yeah. That the yeah. That the being tells him, um, and now I'm gonna botch it. it. Oh, I can do okay. it. Okay, <laughs> because <laughs> it, it, it was that the Jedi told her Yeah. The, the Jedi told him this joke, and he's like, "This joke is hilarious." Yes. Yeah. Um, Get ready. Which is like <laughs> <laughs> buckle up for this hilarious barb joke. Um, which I guess a barb is just like a six legged. Like dog Yes, yeah, a diver. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But a guy, like, goes to a tattooing Moisture Farmer's house, and he sees a barb there who only has five legs. And he asks the Moisture Farmer, like, oh, like, what's the story with your barb? And the moisture farmer says, like, this barb is the most amazing barb like you've ever seen in your life. It can do cartwheels. Yes. It can prepare meals. Yeah, it can clean the it, house. <laughs> it can clean the house. It has saved us from sand, the raids of sand. Yeah, it takes people. care it of can, the kids. <laughs> it can save my daughter's yeah. life. It can detect moisture sites for miles away, blah, blah, blah. And the guy's like well, okay, that's all great, but why does it only have five legs? Yeah. And the guy's like, you don't need a barf like that all was, at once. Yeah. And that's the joke. Yeah, and so at the end... Which is, I guess, just about like tormenting and torturing yeah, people Yeah, which the, the ghost child finds hilarious, but at, at the yeah. end Boba Fett sort of turns the joke back on him and when, and so him keeping the Sarlacc alive is him saying, like, you don't kill a barf like that. Yeah. so oh, You don't need a barb like that. All right, all that else, Yeah. yeah. And then we go out on the Fat Dancers Tales Skin Deep. Me one of the only tales that ends on a on a high. (laughs) This tale is beautiful. It is gorgeous and lovely and A C Crispin You've done it again. AC <laughs> Crispin has an incredible. I, sadly, she's passed. AC Crispin had an incredible gift. Yeah, before. for these characters, Star Wars and, stories, and I'm sure she did great work with other stuff. This actually makes me really curious to read her I parts. Of the Caribbean prequel, yeah, because I, I would love to see what she did with Jack Sparrow. Or should do like a special episode, <laughs> a special AC Crispin's <laughs> Jack Sparrow episode. That would. Maybe Yeah, let us know if you're a listener. Yeah, if you want want to to talk about A. C. Crispin's Pirates of the Caribbean novel, we can be easily swayed. One person just has to encourage (laughs) us a little. (laughs) We'll do it. it. Um. Yes, this is the Fat Dancer's Tale, Skin Deep. Um. And she, we've sort of uh run into her throughout this entire book here and there. Yeah. Um. She uh is I forget the name of her. I don't know the name of any starts with an A, but she um. Is from a planet where they have to, like, hoard moisture, basically, in their bodies. it's like another desert planet. Yeah, yeah. so, um, the reason she's, uh, as heavy as we, as she is when we see her is because she's actually, like, retaining a ton of water, because Jabba likes it when she's, like, jiggling. Jiggling, basically. Which, again, Jabba... (laughs) is worth it, because Jabba says he, she reminds him of his mother... (laughs) <laughs> Which knowing what we call huts means this is also Zorba the hut, right? It's like- all, there's the no whole thing, but um, so she sort of like can fluctuate her weight, um, yeah, but but she's often called ugly and fat, and people make fun of her in the palace all the time, and so she's really down, yeah. um. And- Jabba is holding her babies hostage yeah, to make her work as his dancer. So he says that eventually she can pay off, you know, work enough to pay off her, her children's release. She has three little ones. She had four, but one of them was, was killed. killed. Um, and so she's working really hard to get uh, back to them. They're being kept in Mos Eisley. Um And when the word comes that Jabba is dead, there's this brief, I guess... And we can talk about it. But it makes sense from the Beaumore the Beaumar monks' perspective that they're like, all right, anyone who wants to run, right, run we let that go. Like Yeah. If you but if you if you think you've got a claim on this. Right. If you, you think don't. you're gonna <laughs> crawl yeah. from this space, we're taking your breath. Um, if you wanna take what's under your bed and book it, Fine. book. But like book now. Right. Yeah. Um, um so she she's been kind of we see her in Tessic's Tale, um, stealing gems. From Java, yeah. she's like getting ready, getting ready to bolt, Um and so she uh decides to run. And she runs with this guy, who's a guard. Yeah, is his name like Doylan? It is. It I know is. it's is. not his name, but it's like <laughs> we it's could like call Doylin. him Doylan. <laughs> <laughs> like no, it is. Yeah, All right. Do Do Allen. Yeah, Doylan. Okay. When you say I fast, guess. it's Doylan. Um, and his deal is that he's a he, hunter. He's a hunter, and he was brought to Jabba's palace to catch a crate, crate dragon. dragon. Yes, yeah, so the crate dragons but, are these sort of like mythical creatures that live in the desert of yeah. Tatum. They come up a lot when you go to Tatooine. Yeah, they get mentioned a lot. Yeah. But he's kept there because he needs to add like nitrogen or something to his yes mask in order to be able to breathe. Yeah, whatever in the kind air. of alien creature he is, he can't breathe. Or maybe it's because of an injury he had because I think he's just a human Corellian guy. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he needs a breathing mechanism. Whatever. He needs he needs some breathing. So they help. go and he's and she know she finds where Jabba had hidden them. Right. And gives them to him and he's like, "Great, I'll help you get Yeah. to Mos Eisley. It's 25 clicks to Mos Eisley, which means like it's going to take a couple days. Yeah. to get there. Um they start out on a on a landspeeder. Yeah, I think a landspeeder. Yeah. Um, and they're speeding along. It's out of alignment, but it's fine. Yeah, they're getting, they're getting by. Um, and they start chatting and make, like, really great friends with each other. Yeah, and, like, start to fall in love. Yeah, it's and it's... The most heartwarming thing. So, so sweet <laughs> and so believable and just so real and yeah. tender. And I guess we can go into more of, like, what they talk about later. Yeah. Um, But then he... They they come they crash on a crate dragon. Yes, so basically. They yeah. Get get to the crate dragon. The hunter gets to kill the crate dragon, which was his big uh, goal, and he goes to get the jewels that crate dragons form inside. Yeah, they're hithard. like pearls that form. Yeah, and he gets knocked out when he does it, yeah. and sh- so she doesn't know that he has these incredibly valuable gems, but she carries him yeah. the rest of the way yeah. to my which is easily. far. She's like, on her back. It's like five clicks, which I don't know what that means, but it's far. <laughs> yeah, but like a day, a night, and a day. Yeah, yeah, she yeah. She just walks right, continuously. And just, she wakes up at one point just like sitting in the road on her knees, unconscious, because she becomes so exhausted. She just sort of like slowly fell to her knees yeah. and Nodded off, and he's like still on her back. And she gets up and right, goes. Right, keeps going. Yeah, she drags him all the way to Moss Eisley. She gets him all the way to Moss Eisley, and she gets there, and she's like, "I need to buy these canisters so this guy can have air." Right. And the dude's like, "Oh yeah, but I'm, I'm I want a lot of money." Yeah. And she, the amount that she pays him means that she thinks she won't be able to get, to get one back, of her kids yeah. back. She'll only get two. Yeah. Um. But she does. But she saves him. Mm-hmm. And when he wakes up, he's like, "Oh, do I have good news for you?" Yeah. <laughs> um, actually. <laughs> And uh they get yeah, they get her kids. Yeah, back with the and jewels from the Krayt Dragon and then with the jewels. And they also buy a ship with it. Yeah. And he's just like, Do you wanna come see my planet? And she says, yeah, That sounds great. Let's do it. And he's like carrying one of her babies. Yeah, and, and they fall in love and it's the best. <laughs> and they go off together and that's yeah. the story. And it's great. Yeah. Yeah, so then we get an epilogue of um, I love, I like, the epilogue starts with them, and it cracked me up because, like, I know you remember this a, an anchor man with Ron Burgundy is, like, talking to the news yeah, team yeah. about. We'll live on his a mountain. <laughs> He's like, I know one day Ron and I will get married on a mountain, and our children will form a family band. And, and you like, will be invited. And, like, that's exactly the future. Yeah, yeah they like that, that God yeah, their children, children form a family band. <laughs> yeah. They stay together. They make money. She performs. She dances a, at the wedding of Han and Leia. Leia. Yeah, and their children form a family band. Yeah, she names and, her cub, two of her cubs after um, Luke, and Luke and Leia. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, they, she's like very connected to to the Star Wars yeah. universe. But yeah, so they live happily ever after. Um, I'm trying to think of some of the other like epilogues stuff that was maybe interesting. Um, um Oribo ends up like he runs a restaurant. Runs a restaurant, yeah, sense. And Malakili and Porcellus also, also run a restaurant. a restaurant. Yeah. Because Malakili got Porcellus out of the, yeah. the the prison, which is good. Yeah. Um I thought Mon goes home and he like yeah. he mostly cleans up, but he has like some side businesses that are a little sketch, but Yeah, but like he goes home and really invests in his son. Yeah, no one heard from Juby McCool ever again. (laughs) Oh, this might just be worth reading. Yeah, for (laughs) work. Gartog, the Gamorrean guard, spent the rest of his life wishing he could have ridden on the sail barge's last voyage. However, when Ortog never came back to have him ground up for Java food, he tagged along with a small group leaving the palace for Mos Isley. He still carried his new friends over his shoulders and found that as they journeyed through the desert, the kitchen boy and the monk dried out into firm, lightweight mummies with perpetual smiles. And wisely, he found gainful employment as an enforcer for a smuggling operation and faithfully took his grinning friends everywhere he went. So, Gartog's happy, he lived happily but it's ever. a nightmare. Yeah, it's a nightmare for anyone who's around him. <laughs> yeah. Gartog's a nightmare to be exposed to, but he's very happy in his life. Yeah. Yeah, so... Uh, and. Bib Fortuna had the thought that, like, one day he and Nat were going to get new bodies. Right. And be Twilight's again. Yeah. And yeah, and him and Tessic and. They kind of hang out way. and. Yeah. <laughs> they're sort of fine. Yeah. It's it seems just like, just being brave. I guess this is just what happened. And it said that De- De- Danic Jericho kind of went bananas. Yeah. Cause and he didn't know to Killed a bunch of people. hmm. Um. That's pretty, much, yeah. that's, pretty much yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, and it sort of leaves off Mara Jane and Boba Buffett and says, like, gotta read those other books. <laughs> like, you know. Yeah, <laughs> come on. <laughs> you, you, you know that they're in other stuff. Right, like, yeah, we don't need to tell you. Yeah. So, yeah, so I guess we should, we need to break down a lot of, we need to say more about a lot of these yes, stories, but I, I think w- so. I feel like we should start with some of the bigger picture stuff. Yes. So, what I was thinking about. I guess, today and yesterday after I read this, is I feel like this, for me, this collection of short stories, because it's so varied and it's so different than a lot of other stuff that we've mm-hmm. read, but it feels so right and so genuine and so of the world. There's some sort of like now ongoing point of debate of like, what is Star Wars all about? Right. Like, what's the unifying theme of Star Wars? And I feel like now... The consensus, at least, that we're getting from the movies is the idea of, like, hope. Yes. Right? That the the theme of Star Wars is hope. Yeah. And I mean, I don't quibble with, like, a theme of Star Wars being hope. Yeah. but certainly a thread. But I guess I don't, I don't know if I find that satisfying after, after reading this. So, like. Yeah. What is, what is the Star Wars expanded Universe, like, really about? Like, what is it that makes these things... Especially the things that only barely touch on the main characters. Like, what is it ma- that makes it Star Wars as opposed to just, like, outer space stuff? I I was sort of thinking about this in a different way today. But I was thinking, like, this is just good science fiction. Yeah. Rap. And, like, it, this could be Star Trek. This could be Star Wars. Like, I think it's tethered to these sort of like tangential characters and certainly places we recognize. Yeah. But I think that this could exist anywhere in a lot of yeah. ways. And like I mean I some I think that's definitely true of like the Assassin's Tale and the the Skiff Driver's Yeah. Tale. Like Skiff Yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah, these tales, and I think that's what what's up is. What makes them good, right? That they can kind of exist on their own, and like I was sort of thinking about this today, like the Fat Dancer's tale. Like I don't think I would need to know anything about Star Wars for that tale read by itself to be yeah. compelling. Like it's just a good, it's a story. really good story, and it, and you know it's fun that she named her kids after Luke and Leia. Like that's a a, a nice side note that she danced at their wedding, right? But it you don't need those characters for that story no. to be interesting, to, you know, be uh, engaged with those two characters falling in love. Like, you don't need any of it. No, it's just about, like, two characters, two people escaping right. a nightmare. And maybe what's, what's interesting about, or what's good about Tales from Jabba's Palace is that, like... As a set, a collection of tales, it has its own theme, right? That like, yeah, it's a theme that you know doesn't necessarily fit into the Star Wars universe. If you're thinking of the Star Wars universe as something that is like cohesive and coherent, right? That if you're, but if you're thinking of the Star Wars universe, the expanding universe as a place where you can explore and challenge and go in different directions, then like that's where this fits. Into yeah, those I, I felt like in this one, the I mean, there was certainly still some of that theme of homesickness that yes. we talked about in the middle set yeah. of stories. But I felt like the the themes of like life and death yes. really came to the forefront mm-hmm. here, and not in the kind of life and death way of like, oh, is going to feed you to the Rancor, but like the bigger picture sort of cyclical nature of the universe. Yeah, these ideas of like. Balance and yeah, and sort of like justice, like a, a kind of like universal, yeah, checks and balances, fate. yeah. Um, these I feel like these stories more so than the ones that we've read before. These characters were much more self-aware, um, yeah, and and like a little bit more a little bit less um, controlled by their environment and more controlling of the environment, or at least, like, making attempts to, to like, gain a foothold on the space that they were occupying. Yeah, I mean, there, we had several that made reference to things over, like, an extraordinarily long yes. period of time. Right. So, like, the assassin right. is over an extraordinarily long period of time. The sarlacc, sarlacc yeah. is over an extraordinarily long period of time. Um, I feel like there. Oh, and I was also thinking of like the Mops, Yeah, like, that they've been there sort waiting. And yeah, this, like it almost. It's I guess it's sort of like that. Uh, that Percy Bysshe Shelley, Ozymandias. I'm Ozymandias, right. King of Kings. Look up my works, ye mighty, yeah, in despair. Yeah, yeah, so that's it's, like been it's been there sort of getting That. Yeah, but, like, yeah, and that's sort of where I think like the that sort of like Lovecraftian crafty sense of like it's just been here forever and it's always there and it like wakes up and it goes back to sleep, right? Right, but it will, and it will still be there. Right, it'll be there when you're gone, and it was there before you came. Like it's, it's always there. And I, I think it's interesting those kinds of tales mixed in with like the Fat Dancer's tale and the the Skip Guard's tale, right? Where you have these characters who who are sort of transient, right? Who sort of come into the space and then leave the space, right? Sort of juxtaposed by like the Sarlacc, who's always there, right? Or the cr- yeah. the crate dragon who's this like mythological you know being that you know hardly ever anyone's ever seen right that like they're sort of bumping up against these sort of eternal creatures but they get away like these people make it out <laughs> and like even Tessic who who like is just a brain like he still feels free right he still feels like like uh, I I kind of did it. (laughs) I wonder if maybe, like, to an extent, like, maybe that's a connection to the idea or the philosophy of the Force as we have it in Star Star Wars, the idea that, like, the sort of eternal nature of the universe, the inevitability of life and death, the ongoing cycles, and the point is not to master those forces the point is not to overcome those forces and in fact if you try to harness and control and be powerful from them like you'll be corrupted and destroyed if you're a sith lord or if you're in java's palace you'll get murdered or the bomar monks will snatch your brain or you know whatever um but that if you are someone who is just trying to make their way and you are lucky right like right you You can can get out yeah and you're have a happy tale you know, And, like, you don't get eternity, but you don't need eternity. Right. Right? Like, yeah. the characters who are the least concerned about that kind of legacy talk of, like, oh, one day I'll be rich, one day I'll be happy. Right. Oh, usually they're the they're ones. They're the ones yeah. who are the happiest. Right. Like, yeah. Dancer and Max Rebo Bo, and yeah. even, like, Porcellus and, and uh, uh, Malachie. Malachie, who yeah. get a happy ending, ultimately. Yeah. Yeah, and, like, there is a sort of justice. Like, the, the characters who are trying to do good... Or who are sort of in it like uh, Gartog, who's just like a complete innocent, right? Even though it's like gross, like they sort <laughs> of manage to get out, you know, and like a lot of them do. Esfandman, yeah. who's done terrible things, but like is like I'm changing my ways, like I want to do better, right? That those are the characters who manage. Yeah, it's a little <laughs> bit uh, like wow. I didn't think of this. Before. This I didn't think of this before now, but another unexpected reach back into the history of musical theater films <laughs> it's happen. like it's like cabaret yeah where it's like the show's ending the party right, is it's over, over yeah and this is your last chance to get out and some people who should get out aren't going to get, to get out to, yeah but for the rest of you like You have a shot. Right. Like, you can leave now or you can stay. Right, but it's going to be bad. Yeah. And if you stay, you are screwed. But also, if you stay, you should have known, right? Like, anyone who chooses to go on the sail barge. Like, Java got warned so many times. Right. Right. Yeah, like, you are making a choice, you know? Um, yeah, and, and there's so many signs, right? Then we've talked, we talked about this in the last, uh, set of stories, but there's so many signs that like, this is, it's done. Like we are done here. Java's palace ha- is like, time's a ticking. You got five minutes left. Like it's yeah. over, it's over. And there are people that recognize it, like Tessic, and, you know, the fat dancer who's taking the gems, right? She knows that like, it's done. Yeah, we're done. done. And either we have to get out or we're stuck here. Yeah, and I think that's sort of, like, what brings Bib Fortuna down, is he yes. doesn't realize that it's done. Like, he thinks that, he thinks he is going to end Jabba, but he thinks the show's gonna go, go on, on. Right, and it's not. Like, it's... But, like, this show is over. Yeah. And maybe that's a good time to talk about Bomar Monk theories. <laughs> because we get, like, a much clearer, I think, through, like, Bubo's tale and, and Tessick's tale. Like, uh, I mean, it's not clear. But like we get some more sort of like tidbits of like what the heck is going on with these Bomar monks. And so I'm wondering if you have any like idea. (laughs) Okay, well my idea with the Bomar monks Uh is that it's been a really long time since they got new Bomar monks. Yeah, so maybe they're just like, oh, we gotta like take advantage of this influx of brains. <laughs> so my theory with the Beaumar monks is that like they were going along doing their thing, and they say in the stories that like scoundrels and ruffians have always sort of hid out at the Beaumar monks right. monastery. And the Beaumar monks, I get this is my Beaumar monks theory. Okay. So everything <laughs> that follows is just me writing Beaumar monks fiction. Yeah. Uh-huh. Beaumar Monks fan fiction, go. <laughs> <laughs> so so the Beaumar monks they've established their order and it's basically what it seems like they worship the force they don't necessarily know it's the force but they sequence this with it right they meditate they reach a certain point where they feel like their body is a hindrance toward their enlightenment they get the brain out and they get to be forever brains because i don't think the brains die they're just eternal brains forever um and so they're going along doing that and then not that long ago i'm thinking maybe five years ago john moves into this place because he's maintained a presence on tattooing before, but he has, like, a townhouse in Mos Eisley where yeah. he's keeping the kids. So I think that that's what he was doing before. Right, and then he and saw then this palace tea. and was like... Yeah, and then... So he moves into the palace, like, five years ago. But unlike the other scoundrels and ruffians who have used this place in the past, he just takes over. Right. Um, so it's not, like, a symbiotic kind of... Right. You, you will yeah. use the spare room, hiding out thing. Like He makes this his palace. This is his... What? Pleasure, place of horror and debauchery. Right. And the Beaumont monks, yeah, the Beaumar monks, sort of on theme with nature and the forest and all, was like, all right, we'll wait. Right. But, like, in the service of balance, there is a debt to be paid yeah. here. Yeah, right? and I guess because they have this sort of like a all, like, that they're like, well, we could wait, it doesn't matter. Like, we'll just yeah. wait. It could be. Yeah, it's fine. However we'll long. Wait. We're not in a rush. <laughs> We'll wait. But when the time comes, right, you're going to go down. Yeah. The universe demands that we balance the scale. Right. And it doesn't have to be us that takes you down. It doesn't have. We don't care. Right. But when this goes down, right. like it's going to get square. And out. so that's I think that's why when they get the word that job is gone, they wait. Right. They right. don't try to stop anyone no. who's fleeing. They don't try to stop the Fat Dancer or Gartog or anyone else. Like if you want to go, go. Yeah. If you want to go, you know, pursue your place in the universe, go for it. If you think your place in the universe is here, then you're a Beaumar monk. Right. Because that's all we're doing here. (laughs) Right. Yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. And I think that fits in really well with the sort of, like, you know, eons, eternalness of the characters that we sort of meet, you know, creatures that we meet in these last couple tales. Like the Beaumar monks, the Sarlacc, the Crate dragon, the assassin, right? The that they're just waiting yeah. it out. We, I could wait yeah. it out. If you have that long right. like it how doesn't do you matter. Even, what does what how do you even perceive time? Yeah, you don't. You know, I like, think it's just that's what the assassin team says, right? It's just like God, I could just wait for it. I mean like I don't need Although it does yeah. seem that like he goes a little bit insane. But yeah, I, I don't think it lasts. Uh, maybe we should just talk about him, because he, <laughs> he was cracking me up. So <laughs> It's sort of funny. I was not, I did not find it funny as a kid. <laughs> I did not find it funny. <laughs> no, well, I didn't find Little Shop of Horrors funny the first yeah, yeah, time I yeah. saw it as a kid. I was just terrified.
1: <laughs> but yeah, he's but, kind
0: of funny. He's a- but, like, his whole thing is that he's like, oh my gosh, like, I'm going to do this and I'm going to do that. Right. And it's going to spread my legend. And people are going to be whispering and they're going to be freaked out. And there's going to be rumors yeah. that there's an ANZAT in the palace. And then I'll do this. And then it seems like, A, nobody knows what an nobody is. Nobody cares. <laughs> nobody cares at all. Like, nobody cares that he's killed these people. Nobody notices. He attacks the fat dancer. She doesn't tell anybody until after Job is dead. His yeah. legend is not getting spread. There's no rumors about him. Job is not scared of yeah. his plan. And the other thing is, the only people who have noticed him are the camorian guards who all know that he's a snow vampire right yeah right but nobody believes them right nobody know, or they haven't bothered to tell yeah. anyone also nobody but, knows what i think what what part of what made it funny is that like nobody knows what he is like they just call him a snow vampire they're not like oh my god it's the ends that like that ancient Creature, like yeah, they're just like he's a (laughs) snob. Like they're not. It's not like a legend. It's just like that's what he does. Do you think it would hurt his feelings? It would hurt his feelings so much (laughs) that nobody knows his name or his like ancestry. Like that is that would hurt him real in his heart. How much do you think it would hurt his feelings to know that the only person who's paid any attention to what he's doing is Gartog, the dumbest creature in the palace, and that Gartog immediately was like. Oh yeah, Dan- Danic Jericho, the snot vampire, killed these two yeah, guys. And everyone was like, Shut up. Like, yeah. Yeah, no, he, he has a real, He's 100% right. He has a real, uh, a real ego problem. Bro. No, I know we talked about Disney Junior cartoons before, but he, <laughs> yeah. you remember how in PJ Masks that sometimes to get himself like hyped up, Catboy will narrate what he's yeah, doing. Yeah, that's what he's he'll doing. Like, the whole he'll time. be like, Catboy springs into action. <laughs> like that's Danny Jerica. Yeah, Jared yeah. or like Smaug in the Lord of the Rings movies where he's like practicing positive self acting yeah. <laughs> as he goes yeah. to like, burn down the village. So I have a question. And this might just be me being not a good enough close reader. (laughs) But my, when I was reading this and, like, the talk of Danic Jericho, is he, is the Anzat different than Danic Jericho? Like, is he inhabiting bodies? No. Okay. I think that Derek Jericho just is an Anzat. But he calls himself Anzat of the Anzati. Like, that that's his name. So like I was a little bit confused about like I mean maybe this we're gonna read another story with him so like maybe there's yeah. more to it than um, than I I just t- I took it as like John the vampire oh so, like he like his alias like he's Alia, like, a, like a Alan Smithy <laughs> <laughs> yes like alias um, like that he like he goes by Dan Jericho like he's an assassin to make right, money you can and hire nobody him knows him. that he's really who would hire at? who would hire this guy. Because he's I mean, a little bit of a kook. <laughs> like, even <laughs> if you didn't know he was a snot vampire, which seems nobody does, like, Ex- that, yeah. That he's- Except the Gamoran guards who are just like, yeah, obviously he's a snot vampire, yeah. so what? <laughs> like, he's. He seems very unstable. <laughs> I think he's incredibly unstable, but. I mean, maybe you don't need him. Maybe there's an Assassin's Guild. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, to, you just like call. There's a hotline. Then he's, like, in. But even <laughs> he's if you talk to him on the phone, like you would be like, this guy is "Well, you can't talk to him on the phone." This is the Star Wars universe. <laughs> yeah, there are no we don't have that kind of technology. We don't have the money or the time <laughs> to invent an easy communication device you're that works. Have, <laughs> you're gonna have to record a 3D holographic video of yourself. And have someone deliver it to him in I mean, we should have known this was coming Because in A New Hope, when Luke and 3PO are on those dumb little, like, <laughs> communicator devices Like, that's yeah. the best they got That's on the Death Star That is yeah. their number one technology <laughs> It's just never Yeah, so I guess you would never You would, like, write him a letter Yeah like a, And it would go by Western Union <laughs> Oh, to Jaffa's palace. Dear Janet Jericho, <laughs> so you please kill I, hope, I hope you will consider my offer to murder. Yeah, sincerely. Or you bring, like get in touch, you go through all the waiting in line at the Bounty Hunters Guild and you're like, I need to have this guy killed. And they're like, excuse me, that does not sound like a bounty. Yeah. It sounds like an assassination. You need to go in the Assassin's Guild line. Yeah. It's like, but Bounty Hunters sometimes kill people. It's like, but that is different. Right. right. You need to separate Next, it out. How is it different? No, no, no. It's different. Next, yeah, it's different. Um, I I wanted to bring up, and this is like sort of related, maybe not at all related to the Assassin's Tale. But like as we've been talking, I've been thinking about this other theme that's kind of come up mostly with like the Fat Dancer's Tale, Tessick's Tale, and Ubo's Tale. But like this idea, oh, and the Sarlacc Pit too. Not understanding what's going on, like beneath the surface with these characters. That like a lot of these characters are just sort of lumped into, like, you're stupid, you're ugly, like, without other characters in the universe sort of, like, examining who they really are. Um, And it's something that's sort of come up, like, throughout these tales, I I guess. But it seemed very prominent in these, where these characters are, like, very hurt and, like, feel bad that other sentients around them don't understand how complicated and... Interesting, they are just because they look a certain way. Yeah, and I mean, I feel like that goes—that's an interesting aspect of Star Wars yes. or science fiction generally, where you have all of these different creatures of all of these different, you know, backgrounds and strengths and weaknesses. But there's still like an assumption that they're all going to be measured by like human standards. Right. So like they're attractive based right. on how mu- how good they look. Right. By human standards right. and all that Like, yeah, I bookmarked this passage In the Fat Dancer's yeah. Tale, when she talks about What was the hardest part about dancing For Jabba she right. says, they laughed at me, all of them They said that I was Her mouth twisted the word Ugly. Her indrawn breath felt Raw in her throat. They called me gross And ridiculous and Fat. Even Jabba Laughed at me. He did not laugh Because he thought I was ugly. He laughed because He knew it hurt me to hear them He enjoyed the pain of others. It hurt. I learned not to show it, to lose myself in the dancing, and not to hear the laughing. Much. But it hurt. I'm the way I was born to be. Why do beings have to judge each other? Yeah, Um, It was, like, beautiful and heartbreaking. I love her so much. That story was so wonderful. And, and, like, the sort of, um, like, explanation of her body, and, like, what it can do, and, like, Why she looks the way she does? Like it's just so yeah, much more interesting than like here's an alien with like a ton of boobs, which is like what it seems like on screen, right? It just seems like let's you know like is that in Total Recall with the alien with the three boobs? It's in one of those science fiction, but like this like oh it's like weird, right? That like right, but it has a sort of like the freak show, right, 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 and like what is the weirdest thing we can do? You know what's the weirdest kind of creature we can put on screen, right? And yet, what the story does is sort of, like, complicate that and and push back on that and say that, like, well, it's actually, like, very practical and, you know. Yeah. Right. Like, I mean, like for, like, her species, like, this makes total sense. and Right. And, like, why do you all assume right. that people who look like you are the most interesting, interesting. stories right. to tell? Right. Because. They're not, not. Right. And that's what this I care so much more about this tale. And yeah, I have to say, I love uh, I love AC Christman as a Star Wars author because she puts in enough like difficulty and hardship to make it feel like there are stakes, yes. but not to the point that she's like torturing characters yeah. just to do it. Um I feel like that's something that happens a lot in like sci-fi and high fantasy, and yes. maybe that's why they're not necessarily in my genres. Where you like introduce a character who's been through so much, and it's like they've been through so much, much that yeah. you just just like um, and then they what stared at a wall for the rest of their lives because the idea that this guy then had an adventure after all that right laid on them. So I really appreciated that when they got to Moes Eisley that there was no question of whether or not she was going to right. Her she kids got her kids back. back. Yeah, they, they didn't even have a scene of that. They're no, just yeah, like okay, they made it, right. and then she right, got right, her kids, she's the next out. scene. Yeah, as opposed, I just feel like I feel like most writers in the genre would, like, drag that out yeah. or make it seem like she maybe wasn't going to get the kids yeah. or, you know, like, all this yeah. stuff. Um, yeah, so I really I love A.C. Crispin's stuff. Yeah, and I think it, ending on The Fat Dancer's Tale was great because it sort of, you know, we've had all these stories about, like, we, and we talked about this last time, but, like, body horror and, like, being, like, uncomfortable in your body, right? And then this one sort of ended with her, like, Celebrate, like it was sort of like a celebration of her and body, like reclamation and affirmation, right? Yeah, that it, it, like, and I, I really do give, I guess it's Kevin Janison credit for the order in which these stories were placed because it really built and, like, is a a really good And point. I remember thinking when I like looked at the list being like, Oh, I wonder why we end with a fat dancer's tale, because it just would seem like you want to end with like Boba Fett or like Mara Jeed and like, oh no, it makes like total sense to end with this tale. Like, this is where we should be ending <laughs> these stories. And I mean, and I guess that this tale does give us that kind of theming or, like ending that way does give us this idea of hope. Yeah, I guess yeah. people do respond a lot to. But I actually I feel like maybe more and a more accurate summation of the theme of the mm-hmm. Star Wars universe rather than hope is that uh, Michelle McNamara quote that uh, Patton Oswalt talked a lot about in his latest yeah. st- stand-up special was that it's chaos, right. be kind. Yes. Like, that's the Star Wars universe. Yeah. Like, it's, it's chaos. chaos. And all you can do is be kind. kind yeah, and, be nice, but, yeah. But, like, that's not a small thing, right? Right, that yeah, and we've seen that, that throughout, right? Like, Max Rebo right. giving Leia the pie, and, like, yeah. the relationships between some of these characters who you would think would just be, like, enemies because they're in this yeah, horrible like, space. It's, it's the small moments, I'm not going to say humanity, but, like, the small yeah. moments of tenderness. Yeah. That really uh are the most affecting and the most kind of uh consequential. Yeah. Yeah. And how many times we've sort of like mentioned that like, oh my God, this like one moment. Was so sweet. Was super <laughs> sweet. <laughs> and it is those like, and it was Max, nice. Rebo and those blackberry pies. Yeah, and the blackberry pies and, you know, Garth, I mean, Garthog's messed up, but like, He's very sweet. <laughs> and, He's very sweet. And I very want someone to take care of him. Kind to his mummies, like you know, the Malachili and his love of the rancor, right? That there are these Yeah, that like it's the urge it seems the most motivating thing in Java's palace is the wanting to take care of someone else. Yeah, and like, like friendship and like finding yeah. finding someone you can rely on even if it's only for a moment, you know, that like someone you can trust for a second to get you... Yeah, and I'm like, and these moments are just, their importance is shown by how unlikely they always feel. Right. In this like space of degradation and extremeness and misery and horror, it always feels unlikely that someone would be kind. But it's also like, those are the most important moments, or just the small things. And the Sarlacc... or the Skiff Guard's tale really fits into that, right? That, like, him going through, like, well, the Sarlacc could just be full or he could just not like the taste. But he's like, but what if it's just that he's just nice? Like, he's just a nice Sarlacc. Yeah, that, like, the Sarlacc doesn't eat anyone who doesn't deserve it. And he does follow that thought with, like, which I guess means that it would eat anyone because on some level, don't we all right deserve, deserve it? But then you get these little glimmers that, like, maybe some people don't. You know? Right, yeah. It's just, like, Shara, she didn't deserve right, it. Right, she got out. Like, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, we think of the Sarlacc and the Pit of carcoon as, like, chaos, but maybe it's, you know, there are these, like, bits of kindness in that, too. Yeah. You know? Yeah, it was really nice. Yeah. And I, the other thing to talk about with the Sarlacc Pit, this is a small mm-hmm. point, but, that part of why it was my favorite Boba Fett mm-hmm. ever is that usually you get Boba Fett and he's just like posing, yeah. and thinking about how he's Boba Fett. But I loved Boba Fett like pitching to Jabba, in in Carbonite was like he was like really upset that he wasn't gonna get like the most amount of money he's ever gotten it, for. It was like he was like doing this weird like showmanship, like wheedling used car salesman stuff where he's like, they're like. Oh wait, you said this so this isn't Han Solo? He's like, This this, this is, is art. Art that was month yeah, Lord Vader started with yeah. Han Solo, but he did so much. Like, there's so much value added. Look at the grimace and the hands. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> he's like, he's like these hands. Like how they're placed. Like yeah. He's really pitching this as like true art. Art like, with but a but capital A. Selling yeah. his bounties. Yeah. And Java was like, Yeah, I guess. Sure. Uh, yeah right. Yeah, like, I do really like the hands. Yeah, the hands are great, and the grimace, grimace is, and that grimace is great. Like I was thinking of it, and I was like, yeah, yeah, no, it is. Boba's, it is Boba's really acting. <laughs> yeah, I really enjoyed. Fantastic. Think I loved how he thought that they were just like complete. Screw-ups. <laughs> he thought they were so
1: stupid. He's like,
0: these guys, like, are the worst. Look at them fight. They can't even do anything. Like, he's just, like, watching them going, like, Han and Luke are idiots. Like, yeah, was, was disgusted. He was like, no, I'm dead any second. Yeah. He's like, thank God someone's coming to get you guys because you cannot handle it yourselves. <laughs> like, it was just, it was a really great. Oh, my gosh. Speaking of that fight scene, I love the moment when Boba Fett was fine, like, how did I get in the Sarlacc yeah. And he was, like, replaying his, like, visual 360 yeah, replay yeah, yeah. that his helmet has. And when he saw that Han Solo accidentally, accidentally like, like hit, God damn it. he <laughs> had to, like, and so he, like, he had to turn it off yeah. and, like, wait a few minutes <laughs> and gather his thoughts. Yeah. Like, this was an accident. Like, I cannot they- believe it. Yeah, it was like, a Boba Fett who had a sense of humor about himself, and we have yeah. not seen a Boba Fett like that. <laughs> no, it was a much more self-reflexive Boba Fett in yeah. the room seat, but, like, Boba Fett being just, like, humiliated, yeah, just, days. like, destroyed in that moment. <laughs> I was like, yeah, you, sh- you should, and I'm glad that you know Yeah, I'm her. glad you acknowledged but it, you- and you took it in, and yeah. now you can just let it go. <laughs> you, you learned know. a big lesson here. Yeah, the way he just, like, again, the way he just, like, comes out naked, with, the Star <laughs> with just a helmet. Like, this is the doofiest Boba Fett, but not in, like, a way that makes you hate him and a way that makes you love him. <laughs> like, no, but, like, I feel like in past times when people have been working too hard to make me think Boba Fett was cool, cool that yeah. I thought that he was a doofus. And here, where he's, like, vulnerable and flawed and right. kind of discombobulated, I'm like, oh, an interesting character. Yeah, someone who has, like, emotions and feelings and yeah. is interesting. Like, Wow. <laughs> This so is that was all great. Yeah. I feel like we covered all of mine. Yeah. I'm so sad to leave these stories. <laughs> these stories were fabulous. Yeah. And I really hope the other Tales collections live up to this. Although I don't know why they wouldn't. You know, yeah. You know, I'm not. There's no reason to be worried about yeah. it. And I do, you know, I think... I mean to go back to this, like, how does this fit into the Star Wars universe? I think it works because it both fits in and doesn't. And I mean, maybe that's why it feels so radical. And some of these stories, like, I wonder if you could sustain like a Star Wars novel doing things as sort of creative and offbeat as some of these stories do, or if you're they're just getting away with it because it's a short story. Yeah, a short story. Well, I feel like that's the what's great about short stories is is that, like, or what's great about good short stories, I should say, is that, like, even a short story that's not within, like, some sort of, like, larger branded universe, right, it has to create characters, places, like, emotions that you care about within, like, seconds, right? Like, it has to, it cannot build, like, it has to, you have to sort of, like, jump in. Um, And so, like, part of these, I think, why these short stories work is because, like, we sort of already know where, what we're doing here because we've watched Return of the Jedi, but also, you can't spend time explaining like, "Oh, this is the guy that you see in like minute five, <laughs> where like like you have to also rely on the fact that like you you cannot rely too much on people remembering. like I didn't remember who Bubo was, and even though I googled him and looked at him. It Wouldn't matter if I had or not, like, no, like, you don't need to. I don't need to, so that's was this was fun. It was this fun. Was I, a hundred, like, as with the Han Solo trilogy, I recommend, yeah, these are just good these to read books. They're these really nice. Fun. They're, you know, I think they're written by like what seemed to be very good science fiction. Yeah, writers who to throw throw tales from Goddess palace in your beach bag and pretend yeah. that you're on Tatooine. Don't read some of them at night. You'll be fine. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, there. It, it makes me really excited to do Tales from Oz, Isley soon. Yeah, but first <laughs> we get we get to read Champions of the <laughs> Force. Yay! <laughs> Maybe it will be better Maybe than the first be. two. Maybe. <laughs> I mean, these are fun for different reasons. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm having a nice time, but yeah. I mean, it's more traditional. It is expanded universe, so kind of our trajectory because we've sort of figured it out for what we're going to yeah. do the rest of the summer. Um, playing the home game. Yeah, so we're going to finish Champions of the Forest next week, which is the third Jedi trilo- or Jedi Academy trilogy book. We're going to jump into I, Jedi, which is sort of tangentially related to that book, and one that neither of us have read in completion.
1: Nope. Um
0: I have it, and I have a bookmark in it, but it's... Well, there you go. So I started it. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bookmark with, like, a polar bear on it from the 90s, oh. <laughs> and... That's like me with the first Thrawn book. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Bookmark. Put it down. Just like, I'm done with you. Um, So we're going to do I, Jedi. We're going to do Crystal Star, which we've Mm -hmm. talked extensively. That (laughs) is the thickest book we've done. Crystal Star is so long. And I don't know why. (laughs) (laughs) There's no reason in my head. Um, I, Jedi, Crystal Star. We're going to do the uh, Lando Calrissian adventures, which is like three short stories. We'll probably just do them in one. Yeah. Episode. Um and then so we're gonna do a couple standalones just to kinda like mix it up. Cause I don't think we've done like a standalone novel yet. We've done like just trilogies, courtship. just courtship, yeah. Um, and then we're gonna jump into Thrawn. So we're gonna do Thrawn, similar to how we did Jedi Academy trilogy, we'll do like a Thrawn book, a couple of tales from Os Isley, the second Thrawn, and so on and so forth. And that takes us, I think, to September. <laughs> That's a lot. That's a good reading list. Yeah, but it's, so if you're following along and you want to read along with us, that's kind of where we're going. I we recommend your local used bookstore. Yes. they up at one of those have, recently. Yeah, there's a couple around here that have a great selection of... There's a lot to choose from. Yeah. Yeah. That's where you can find them. So. All right. That's well, where we're going. For, thanks for joining us. Thank you. We'll see you next week. Bye. 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 Thanks so much for listening to this episode. If you would like more information, please check out our website, adolescenceafteralderon.wordpress.com, for show notes and info about upcoming episodes. We're also on Twitter, after underscore alderon. We're on Instagram, adolescenceafteralderon. And if you would like to touch base with us, ask questions, participate in the conversation, you can email us at adolescenceafteralderon at gmail.com. Thanks so much.